care of there at the meeting, but it will be a great time. But go ahead and make plans to go. I know you won't regret it. I know you'll get a lot out of it. Uh, Monday, July the 18th, there will be a uh, blood drive here in the back. The Red Cross is putting that on, so make sure if you got some blood and you haven't given it all to your doctor and you want to give some more away, uh, they'll be happy to take it. Uh, and then our seniors ministry uh, will be having, let's see, Thursday, July the 21st. I'm going to read this exactly as it says. Not this Thursday, but next Thursday, smiley face. Uh, the seniors ministry will go to a, for a trip uh, to the Transportation Museum in Roanoke and lunch at Olive Garden. All right, that sounds good. Um, and then Sunday morning, the 31st, we'll be having the Lord's Supper. And so mark that down on your calendar. Make plans to come and be here. Lots going on, but I hope you're glad to be in the house of the Lord today. Thankful for each one of you uh, to be here. And uh, looking forward to what God's got in store for us today. Let's pray. And then we're going to stand to our feet and we're going to worship God today as we sing uh, His praise. Well, let's pray. God, we come to you this day. We want to thank you for each one that's here. God, I thank you for uh, the answered prayers, for the work that you've done in hearts already during the Sunday school hour. And as uh, we would just want to anticipate and thank you, Lord, for the work that you're going to do through your word this morning. God, I pray for physical and spiritual strength to preach it this morning, Lord, to preach what you give. And Lord, that ultimately, God, it would be you that preaches through me, Lord. Help us all to be tools uh, and vessels fit for use. And God, that today that you would get the glory as we sing, as we praise you, Lord. May it be from hearts and minds that uh, are, are filled by you and not distracted by anything in this world, but, Lord, that we would worship you in spirit and in truth for who you are and what you've done for us, God. And we thank you for allowing us to meet here. We thank you for allowing us to pray. We thank you for allowing us to, to praise your name. And, God, I pray that you would uh, work in us and through us today. And, Lord, for if there's, if there's one soul today who doesn't know you, I pray, God, that you would bring them to conviction, bring them to repentance and faith in Christ and what he's done for us on the cross and, and his death, burial, and resurrection. God, we do pray as well for every believer to hear today. God, that they would worship you today, and Lord, that each one of us, if we need conviction, that we would receive conviction. If we need encouragement, God, that we would receive that. Lord, you know the needs of every heart today, and I pray that you would meet those needs as only you see fit. Lord, we love you, and we thank you for this time, and we give it to you now. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning. Blessed be the name of the Lord. If you're able, to, uh, please stand as we start our singing service. We'll sing hymn number 492. At Calvary, this is a beautiful song. It tells about our Lord when he died on Calvary for us. In Luke twenty-two thirty-three says, When they were come to the place called Calvary, there they crucified him. At Calvary. Years I spent in
Nothing But the Blood's our next song, hymn number 337. Bible tells us in 1 John 1, 7, the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. Nothing but the blood. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the Next song is His Name is Wonderful, hymn number 118. Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 12, 3, No man can say that Jesus is Lord, but by the Holy Ghost. His name is wonderful. His name is wonderful. His name is wonderful, His name is wonderful, Jesus my Lord. He is the mighty King, Master of everything. His name is wonderful, Jesus my Lord. greeting time now and we're gonna smile turn around look left look right wave shout hello or something just make everybody feel welcome and we're glad you're here today and after you do all that you qualify to sit down <laughs> oh man glad we can smile and laugh in god's house all right we have some real special music now real treat real treat Brother Teddy, I think he's going to help him out this morning. He's been 
He's been lining this group out for about a month, so Teddy, it's all yours now. Yeah, we appreciate y'all. Hey. Dragging these cords across the floor reminds me of an old joke about a, back in the old days when the preachers carried a microphone with the cord hanging to it. And, and uh, this preacher was preaching one of them hellfire and damnation sermons one Sunday morning. Uh, there was a lady and her little girl sitting out in the audience. And, and he was a dragging that cord across the floor and every once in a while he'd get it hung up and he'd give it a jerk, <laughs> give it a yank, and then he'd walk around a little while more. And uh, the little girl looked at her mama and said, Mommy, if he gets loose, he won't hurt us, will he? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, this is Teddy's, one of, I guess, number one song. He, when we first... Uh, got together, yeah. Teddy joined the group, and uh, he memorized this song. Teddy can't read, so if he learns a song, it's got to be from memory, and so he memorized the song, and it's an old Hank Williams song. He wrote it back in 48, 49, somewhere along in there, and uh, Hank never recorded the song, but a lot of folks did, you know, later on, and it's a real good song, and it's got a good message in it. And uh, Teddy wanted to dedicate it, but we'll let that go. Yeah, yeah, do that. We'll wait. <laughs>
has blessed the USA. Amen. Amen. Truly, not sure we deserved any of it, but He has blessed immensely, and we praise Him for it. Please stand if you're able, and we're going to give thanks to our Lord. First Thessalonians 5:18 tells us, "And everything, give thanks." Now, everything, as the pastor says often, how, how much is everything? That's everything, ain't it? <laughs> For this is the will of God. pastor was talking about in the Sunday school different things that is the will of God. Giving thanks is also the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. And everything, give thanks. Give thanks. Give thanks with a grateful heart. Give thanks to the Holy One. Give thanks because He's given Jesus Christ His Son. Give thanks with a grateful heart. Give thanks. Because he's given Jesus Christ his son. And now let the weak say, I am strong. Let the poor say, I am rich. Because of what the Lord has done. standing and we're going to go to the Lord in prayer right now and uh, our whole message on Sunday school was prayer so let's uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask his blessings on our pastor as he preaches and on this assembly here today father we thank you Lord for this wonderful day you've given us thank you for the cool weather and the rain we praise you for it we praise you Lord for the opportunity to be in your house here today and to hear about you and your word. We ask, Lord, you would just meet with us and bless us and, and help us, Lord, to learn more about you and draw closer to you. Thank you for all you've done for us in the singing and the music here today. We pray, Lord, it was pleasing to you and brought honor and glory to you. We ask, Lord, you would anoint our pastor and fill him with power and your spirit and help him to preach your word according to what you won't say this morning. And help us to be obedient and hearers and doers of your word here today. We love you because you first loved us. And we ask all these things and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And you may be seated. And now our pastor, let's make him feel welcome and appreciated.
What a great day of worship we've had so far, being in the Lord's house to be with one another. There should be no other place come Sunday morning where we would like to be than right here. You say you want to be with your family? Well, good. Bring them to church. There's no better place to be with your family than sitting right here and to praise God and to know God and to honor God with our life. And uh, thankful for the worship that has been lifted today, for the songs sung, and for the many people that it takes just to open and close a church on a Sunday morning, run sound security, play piano, lead songs, clean, the whole nine yards. And if I didn't mention you, then, then thank you too. But praise God for, for allowing us to be here today. Uh, take your Bible and turn with me now to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 this morning. We're looking at a series basing out of what this means here in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20 that we are the temple of the Holy Ghost. Specifically dealing with what it means to understand and to know God's presence, not just in our minds, but as well to know God's presence that is within us as the temple of the Holy Ghost. We're going to be looking today at the purpose of God's presence. Let's read here verses 19 and 20 of 1 Corinthians chapter 6. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. For ye are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this time. Thank you for the reading of your word. We thank you, Lord, that you've met with us already. We thank you for the songs that have been sung, Lord, that have uh, done good to our heart as we would uh, praise you and to thank you and to give thanks, Lord, uh, for all that you are and all that you've done. God, I pray that you would help my mind and my heart now, help my body. God, that you would preach through me. God, that you would give uh, the message that is needed today, Lord, that you would speak to every heart, every soul that's in this place today. And God, that we would understand your presence. And Lord, I pray, God, that you would uh, encourage us, convict us, strengthen us today. And God, that you would be glorified during this time. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. When we think about the, the purpose of the presence of God, we think about the personal benefits, probably first and foremost. We think about the blessings that it brings, the the peace and the joy and the comfort, and that is a part, certainly, of knowing the presence of God. But I want you to know that there is a far greater purpose than just the things that we can receive from knowing God's presence. We we have something far greater. There is a deeper, a higher, a greater purpose in knowing the presence of God in our life. We've got to understand that. We often look at God and we view God as somebody who is just there to give us all of our wants and our wishes. You might have heard him referred to as the man upstairs. I want you to know, he is not the man upstairs. He is the God of glory, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last, the one who holds the keys to life and death, the one who has not only created all things, but one day will create all things new. He is the God of this universe, and he sits upon the throne. He is high, he is lofty, he is holy, and not a single soul can get to them that can get to Him to be in His presence or deserves to be in His presence because of our sinfulness that separates us from God. It is only in Christ Jesus, who we've sung about this morning, His death, burial, and resurrection, His shed blood for sinners, that we can be born again by putting our faith and trust in Him alone. That is salvation. It's simple, it's free, and it's offered to everyone that is here today, to everyone in this world who would bow their knee in repentance and faith in Christ. Not just in His work, but in His person, who He is, because His work flows from His person. And when we see the presence of God, it is much more than giving us stuff. As a matter of fact, the greatest gift that you've ever been given by God is Himself. The greatest gift that you and I have 
is very much already within every believer. It is the gift of Himself, the third person of the Trinity, from everlasting to everlasting, the Holy Spirit of God, who now lives within us. And we are now the temple of the Holy Ghost, temple of the Holy Spirit of God. Where God is, His presence is. Sadly though, many of us as believers who know that we have the Holy Spirit, we just chalk that off of some sort of doctrinal thing. Yes, we're saved and we're sealed down to the day of redemption. Praise God. But we forget that it is the same Holy Spirit that they had on the day of Pentecost that we have today that is within us to not just teach us and correct us, but to overwhelm us with the very presence of God and that we should be living in an overflow and an outflow of what Christ has already accomplished at the cross, what God has already done in giving us Himself in the indwelling Holy Spirit within us, and that our life is to be a Spirit-filled life. We pray for the Spirit's filling for pastors, and I thank you, and I wish many more would pray for such, and I thank those who do. But I would tell you this, dear friend, that every believer is to be Spirit-filled. Why? Because you have the Holy Spirit, God Himself, dwelling inside of you. And if you have God inside because He takes up residence the moment of your salvation, what do you think your life should look like? Should it look fleshly? or spiritual, or rather not even spiritual, but Spirit-led, Spirit-obedient, Spirit-powered, Spirit-filled. It should certainly be that. That should be the normal Christian life. The normal Christian life should be one that knows the presence of God and is empowered by it because the presence of God in the life of a believer truly is everything to the life of a believer. It is the very presence of God that separates the difference between an unbeliever and a believer. Because the unbeliever does not know the spiritual, he only knows the carnal, he only knows the fleshly. But the moment that the Holy Ghost regenerates us, opens our eyes, quickens us, as we are told in Ephesians 2.1, the moment that that takes place, we can now see by the Spirit, through the Spirit, and we now have access to the spiritual things of God as He takes up residence within us, that we have this presence. And ultimately, the great purpose of it is not just to give us these outward blessings or health, wealth, and prosperity. God certainly desires to bless His children, but He does not promise health, wealth, and prosperity on this world. But as we just talked about, it's not about a house of gold here, but rather, it's not even about a mansion over the hilltop, but it's about being in the presence of God forever and forever. Because the greatest gift about heaven right now in this moment, and the greatest gift of a new heavens and a new earth of which God Himself would create, that He says that He shall wipe away all tears, and He shall be our God, and we shall be His people, and that He should dwell with us. What is the greatest thing about the new heavens and the new earth? Well, it's not just the trees of life. It's not just the, the river of living water. It's not just the city. It's not just the beauty. But it is God's presence Himself. The greatest thing about your Christian life and my Christian walk should be just that. The presence of God. The true purpose of knowing and living in the presence of God is so that we may know... And here's the purpose of the presence. It's so that we may know the glory of God. So that in turn we may give glory to God of which He deserves. Everything should be for His glory because His glory is found in His presence. We're going to look at that today. A.W. Tozer once wrote, I want the presence of God Himself or I don't want anything at all to do with religion. I want all that God has or I don't want any. I'm afraid that today the modern believer wants all that God will give us, including the health, wealth, and prosperity, but we want little to do with just having God's presence. We want the 
presence with a T on the end, not the presence with a C. If you understand the difference here, we, we want the stuff that God gives, but the greatest thing that we should ever desire in our heart is not just all that God gives, but very much so before that, who He is. His very presence. And I would tell you today, dear believer, you can rest assured that the presence of God is within you because you are the temple of the Holy Ghost of God. That's the presence of God. And yet, how often we live without the presence and power of God in our life because we're not living based upon that. We're not living based upon that spiritual truth, that foundational truth, that identification truth about who we are now in Christ Jesus. The Holy Ghost within us. The purpose of His presence in the believer is to reveal His glory so that in our life He may receive the glory due Him. And I would tell you this today, if we look at recent church history, if we look at our own lives, our own spiritual conditions, our families, our prayer lives, our hearts, our minds, our everything, we have deprived ourselves of the greatest need and gift that we have, and that is the presence of God. We say, oh, well, I know, you know, theologically, God's everywhere at once. He's, he's omnipresent. Well, that's nice to know, isn't it? But it's certainly a whole lot nice to know that the very presence of God is right here. Not because of who you are, what you've done, but because of who He is, what He has done, that He has taken up residence within you, dear believer. Why would you live or choose to live or keep choosing to live without His power from the presence that should already be there. Turn with me now to 1 Kings chapter 8 today. 1 Kings chapter 8. When we talk about the presence of God, that the purpose behind it is to reveal to us the glory of God so that He may then receive the glory of God. We, we have to understand what this means here. The glory of God and the presence of God are, are synonymous in many ways. The glory of God and the presence of God are interchangeable. We have to see here, and what we're going to look at today in 1 Kings chapter 8, is the glory of God coming into the temple that has just been established. We're going to see today, first of all, the glory displayed. The glory displayed. And if glory of God and the presence of God are interchangeable, what do we know here? The presence of God being displayed. Some of us have lived so long as a saved believer without the power and presence of God in our life that has been an overflow of our life and, and been the source of our life for so long that we wouldn't know what to do if God displayed His power and His presence, His glory in the way that He does here in this moment. And I would tell you that even the way that He does it here in this chapter is not even as powerful as it was there at the day of Mount Sinai, as scary and frightening as that was, or how about then the, the day of the tabernacle when He takes up residence there in Exodus 40? Ultimately, though, we see this progression from the very fall of man to the book of Revelation, the new heavens and the new earth, what do we find? We find that there's a progression to get us that the goal of God and the display of His glory is to bring His people back into His presence. The role of Jesus Christ was not just in acting as a redeemer and a mediator, but a reconciler to bring us back to His presence. And notice how we go from a temporary garden where fallen man is now sent out, 
Then we have the tabernacle of God. Anyone ever been to the tabernacle? Me neither. Why? Because it's gone. Anyone ever been to the temple of Solomon? Me neither. Why? Because it's gone. But you know something? Now what do we have? Where's the presence of God operating now? Within the believer. But the great news is this. One day, as we're told in Revelation, we will be changed. We will know Him and see Him as He is. And we will see God face to face. To see our Lord and to be in His presence forever and forever. A permanency to that city whose builder and maker is God. Whose very foundation is God. Where the very light and life of that city, that eternal city, will be God Himself. And there will be no need of a temple there. There will be no need of a tabernacle there. Why? Because the Lord Himself shall dwell with His people. So what do we think the goal of this book? The glory of God displayed. Why? To one day bring us back, those who would trust in Him, back to a permanent presence with Him. Sadly, we allow our flesh, as we talked last week, our outer court, our body, to keep us from the presence of God. We allow our soul, our psyche is the idea, our thoughts and emotions and our decision to to keep us from the presence of God. And we don't surrender our spirit to God. And we miss out on what the life of a Christian is to be. And that is to be living in harmony in the presence of God and fellowship in the presence of God and in the power of of the presence of God that He has now given to us by the Holy Ghost. 1 Kings chapter 8, verse number 10 tells us, And it came to pass when the priests were come out of the holy place. That's inside. It says, That the cloud filled the house of the Lord, so that the priests could not stand to minister because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord had filled the house of the Lord. Then spake Solomon, the Lord said that he would dwell in thick darkness. I have surely built thee in house to dwell in a settled place for thee to abide in forever. Sadly, because of the sins of the people, that temple would not last forever. But there's coming a day where there will be not a new temple in heaven, but rather we will have the presence of God forever and forever, where he will dwell with us as it was meant to be. But sin keeps us apart. I want us to look here. The cloud filled the house of the Lord. We'll look at that in a moment. But what does it mean that the glory of the Lord filled the house of the Lord? What is the glory of God? First of all, it's to be understood, number one, as the intrinsic glory. This is the sum total of His divine being, His essence, His nature, His character. The glory of God is the presence of God. It is who God is. It is not just the things that God does, but rather, it is who He is. So when we say this morning, God is good, God is good is not just that He does good things, but that all things that He does is good because that's who He is. So when we say that God is holy, it is not just that He does holy things and expresses and uh, illuminates holiness, but rather, those holy things happen because that's who He is. When we say that God is love, well, He certainly pours out His love upon us. Certainly, if, especially as we look to the cross of Christ. But it is not just that He does loving things, but He does loving things because He is love. We find that this is the very nature of who God is. 
perhaps one of the greatest things you can ever study, is God Himself. Out of, out of the study of the attributes and the nature of who God is, what you will find is the rest of Scripture and the rest of the, the doctrines that you'll want to know or, or want to study. The greatest thing that you and I can ever know and ever do is to know God and to not know Him just in our minds. To not go through the emotions of pretending to know Him with our bodies, but rather that our spirit, the innermost of us, would be surrendered to Him because that is the way in which we relate to God. That we might know the fullness of God, the fullness of the presence of God. And what separates us today from many men and women of yesteryear is that they knew what we should know, but they had what we have, but we don't live knowing that we've got it. And that is the presence of God within us. Sadly, there are far too many Christians today who live their life without ever knowing the presence and the glory of God. Sadly, many churches don't have a clue anymore what it looks like for God to show up or for the glory of God to be displayed. We need the intrinsic glory of God to understand this. The glory of God is the presence of all that He is being displayed and revealed. While we might not know on this side of the world all that God is, all that He does, yet God is noble and desires for us to know Him. Well, how do we even get to know God when He's holy and we're unholy? When He's righteous and we're unrighteous? When we're sinful and He's perfect? Because He's revealed Himself to us. He's revealed Himself displayed Himself. The creation speaks that there's a Creator. The Scripture shows us the Savior. The Spirit of God convicts a sinner and draws us to repentance as we sung about earlier and consecrates us to the service of the glory of God. But then we also find the ascribed glory. This is what we often hear or think of. This is the praise and honor Glory being given to Him as believers. This is the offering of, of a consecrated life, of a sacrifice, life, of a being a living sacrifice. It is to ascribe Him glory, to give God glory. There used to be times in churches, believe it or not, when people used to hear the Word of God preached or hear the songs that speak about Christ, who He is and what He's done. And you know what they might used to say? Well, glory! Boy, we don't hear that a whole lot anymore, do we? You see, it's the glory of God, His intrinsic glory, who He is, that draws us to give Him glory because of who He is. I want to look here to understand this. <clears throat> when we find the overwhelming display of God's glory and presence, especially in the Old Testament, what we find is that it is a very fearful thing. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Our God is a consuming fire. And the way in which He shows up in the Old Testament, much is that way. But I'll have you know, God didn't change the New Testament. The day of Pentecost would have been a very frightening thing, a very fearful thing in many ways, but yet that fear drives us to faith, to trust in this God, because I've got, I, we should be as Isaiah is when we see the glory of God, when we see the presence of God, and we're knowing that we are in His presence, you know what it will do? It will undo you. And I'm afraid that many believers... It's been far too long since you've been undone by the presence and glory of God that you wouldn't know what to do. 
you know how to do church, you know how to do the Christian thing, but sadly you do church and you do the Christian thing without the presence of God in it. We do the Christian life all without God, and that's not the Christian life. Because the Christian life is by God, through God, to God, for God. Now the temple. The temple was to be the place of God's presence. To see His power displayed while man comes to direct or to ascribe Him glory as they uh, do service and sacrifice there through the priests. And, and then once a year on the Day of Atonement into the Holy of Holies where the high priest would go in, a picture of the work of Christ on Calvary for us. Here we find Solomon who is allowed and enabled to see the temple built, which would be a more permanent place in comparison to the tabernacle. And even Solomon believes, well, this will be the place where God will dwell forever. But sadly, Solomon and on down the line, the people of God would not continue to worship the Lord as He commanded. And only God has the commands to worship Him. Uh, only we worship God the way in which He says to worship Him, not how we say we should worship Him. Not how we think or feel that we should worship Him. We worship God how God says we worship Him. Look at this. Now we get to the display of His glory. First of all, just a few verses back before this, it says in verse number uh Verse number 6, And priests brought in the Ark of the Covenant unto His place, into the oracle of the house, to the most holy place, even under the wings of the cherubims. For the cherubims spread forth their two wings over the place of the ark, and the cherubims covered the ark and the staves thereof. And they drew out the staves at the ends of the staves were seen out in the holy place before the oracle, and they were not seen without. And there they are unto this day. There was nothing in the ark save the two tables of stone which Moses put there at Horeb, when the Lord made a covenant with the children of Israel when they came out of the land of Egypt. Now let me pause there because what we're about to see then in verse 10, the cloud filled the house. Well, the same cloud was there on that very day as well. But the display of God's glory and presence in the temple only comes after the Ark of the Covenant is placed in the directed spot within the temple. Because the Ark is a type and a picture of the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is a place where the blood has been applied for us by Christ uh, if, on the mercy seat of God to allow us access into the presence of God, both now and one day in the future. We also find this, though, that Jesus is the one who is the revealer of the presence and glory of God. John 1.14 tells us, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. How about Hebrews chapter 1? God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days unto us by His Son, whom He hath appointed heir of all things, by whom He also made the worlds, who being the brightness of His glory, and the express image of His person. That means Jesus was not uh, just the ordinary man who then the Spirit of God came upon Him. No, He is God in the flesh, for you and for me, to reveal the glory of God, to reveal the presence of God. I want you to know that when Jesus walked this earth, you know it was there, the presence of God. And yet there were plenty of people just like today who very much missed the presence of God, though it was right there. He says, 
and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. I want to look at this cloud, though, for just a moment. This cloud is a physical manifestation and representation of the presence, the power, the glory of God. We find this cloud throughout the Bible, as a matter of fact. The cloud is seen speaking to Moses in the wilderness. The cloud is seen overtaking Mount Sinai as God speaks to Moses to give him the law. As a matter of fact, there's thunderings and lightnings, and it's so violent looking that it seems as if the mountain itself is on fire that the people tell Moses when he comes out, you speak to us, don't let God speak to us, or else we'll die. We don't know of such anymore. We've lost the, the power of the presence of God. We've lost what it means to be overwhelmed by God. We've lost what it means to know the glory of God. We've lost the reverence of knowing a holy and a righteous God who owes us nothing and could crush us and be just in doing so. We've lost the fact that that the love of God draws us through Christ into His presence that we might know Him. And not just know Him, but know the fullness of God and know His presence. The cloud is seen as well leading Israel through the wilderness in their wanderings. A cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. The cloud then is seen in the life of Christ. There at the Mount of Transfiguration. Even at Jesus' ascension. And one day, Jesus is told that He shall come in the clouds. It is the manifest presence, the manifest glory of God. But yet at the very same time, the reason why God uses this cloud to demonstrate His power, His presence, His glory, to reveal Himself to us so that in turn we might give Him glory, that He might receive the glory that He deserves. He does this for the protection of those He's revealing Himself to. No man has seen God face to face and lived. Thank God for the precious blood of Jesus that one day I will see my Father. But until then, no man has seen Him. As a matter of fact, there's a story of a pretty famous pastor and he was telling about how someone who had came to his church, they were telling him, Uh, They were uh, another pastor of another big uh, charismatic church, and they said, oh, pastor, I I seen God this morning in the bathroom while I was brushing my teeth. Wouldn't that be something? He said, did you really? He said, oh, yes, I saw God right there, right there in the mirror. I saw saw God right there in, in in the bathroom. Another pastor said to him, if you did, you would not be standing here. You see, we forget that no man in his flesh will stand before God. This is why our corruption must be made incorruption. This corruptible must put on incorruptible. We cannot be in the presence of a holy God and live, but through Christ there is a way. And now the presence of God is not just abiding on a, on a mountaintop somewhere or in a valley somewhere, but rather now the presence of God is not abiding in a tabernacle or a temple, but now you are the temple of that very same presence of God. How would that not change our life? How would that not change how we think and feel and respond and react and live for God? This cloud, this glory cloud fills the house of the Lord. You see, the temple is just a building. And for Solomon, an incredibly expensive building. Without the presence of God, it's just a building. Without the presence of God, it's just wood overlaid with gold and it's just a whole bunch of work made with man's hands that looks really nice and was very expensive. 
but it becomes something special because the presence of God comes there. You see, our bodies, while as magnificent as God designed them, at the end of the day, it's just sinful flesh. It's temporary. It's going to be worm food one day, right? Even if you get a nice pretty casket, I'm sorry. (laughs) It doesn't matter. If you die, guess what? It's just a body. It's a temporary world, temporary body. We have a permanent God, and one day there's going to be a permanent presence to be with that permanent God. And right now, in this very moment, what we have to see and understand is this. That what makes this temple that Solomon gets to see built special is not that Solomon built it. It's not how expensive it is. It is that the cloud filled the house of the Lord. The glory of the Lord filled the house. As a matter of fact, it was so overwhelming that even the priests themselves could not stand to minister. Meaning they could no longer be in just the holy place. One, they weren't going to go into the Holy of Holies because only the high priest once a year could do that. But they weren't able even to stand in the holy place where they were just ministering. Remember, they had just gone in there to place the ark in there, and now the moment the glory of God comes in, they can't even step foot in there. Much like how God had told Moses, tell them do not come up on this mountain while I'm uh, talking to you. Don't let them touch it. Don't let them uh, have their cattle on it, lest I consume them. Sadly, what has happened to us is that we have the presence of God within us, and yet we're not consumed by it anymore. We go on about serving, we go on about living our Christian life, all without understanding the presence of God. And we wonder why we have no power in our churches. We wonder why we have no power in our homes, no unity, no love, no fellowship. We wonder why we're missing all that used to be. Well, what used to be could still be had now if we understood that God is very much present. The presence and the glory of God go hand in hand, and the purpose of His presence is His glory revealed. Turn with me now to Ezekiel chapter 9. Ezekiel chapter 9. There in 1 Kings chapter 8, we find something so beautiful, so wonderful, that the glory of God is displayed. Here in Ezekiel, we find the glory departed. The problem that caused the glory to depart from Israel and the temple specifically was this. In Ezekiel chapter 1, verse 28, it tells us this, As the appearance of the bow that is in the cloud in the day, so was the appearance of the brightness round about. This was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of God. And when I saw it, I fell upon my face and I heard a voice of one that spake. That's Ezekiel telling. I've seen the glory of God and He's changed by it because you will not see the presence of God and not be changed by it. Within chapter 2, he says, And he said unto me, Son of man, stand upon thy feet and I will speak unto thee. And the Spirit entered into me when He spake unto me and set me upon my feet that I heard him that spake unto me. And he said unto me, Son of man, I send thee to the children of Israel. Notice this, to a rebellious nation that hath rebelled against me. They and their fathers have transgressed against me even unto this very day. For they are impudent children and stiff-hearted. I do send thee into them and thou shalt say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God. And they, whether they will hear or whether they will forbear, for they are a rebellious house, yet shall know that there hath been a prophet among them. 
And thou, son of man, be not afraid of them, neither be afraid of their words, though briars and thorns be with thee, and thou dost dwell among scorpions. Be not afraid of their words, nor be dismayed at their looks, though they be a rebellious house, and thou shalt speak my words unto them, whether they will hear or whether they will forbear, for they are most rebellious. You can only rebel against the Lord for so long until you will find the glory departed. The power of God, I firmly believe, has departed from many a churches, many a pulpits, and many a people on pews because we have forgotten our God. We have forgotten His presence. We have rebelled. We have been stiff-hearted, stiff-necked, hard-headed people. We want our way. We think we got rights. Didn't we just read it over in 1 Corinthians that you are not your own. You are bought with a price. And you think you've got rights to say what you want when you feel like it. You think you've got rights to do what you want when you feel like it. You think that you've got rights to go and do what you so please in your body, your mind, and your spirit, your body, soul, and spirit, that you think you can do whatever you please with those things. No. You see, you were bought with a price. And you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. Therefore, know this, that what you think He knows and He's there. Where you go, He knows and He's there. How you feel, how you decide, He knows and He's there. They had rebelled. Ezekiel has seen the glory of God and Israel and Judah are divided and are serving false gods. Idolatry leads to immorality and both are absolutely rampant during this time. And they are rampant today. Not just outside of the church, but inside the church. It never should be so, brethren. Inward hearts of sin have led to a stupid spiritual people who do not know the God that they should know. I do not know the presence of God that they once had. And now, perhaps one of the scariest things in all of the Bible is that God is withdrawing His presence, His power, His glory, His protection from the temple that we had just read in 1 Kings where he had just filled it. As withdrawing it. What a sad day in the life of many believers, in the life of many churches, where the glory goes out. Look at the progression. It starts from the inside out of the temple. Chapter 9, verse 3 And the glory of God, of the glory of the God of Israel was gone up from the cherub whereupon he was to the threshold of the house, and he called to the man clothed with linen, which had the writer's inkhorn by his side. Chapter 10, verse 4, it goes up further beyond the inward parts of the temple. Then the glory of the Lord went up from the cherub and stood over the threshold of the house, and the house was filled with the cloud, and the court was full of the brightness of the Lord's glory. Now that sounds good if it was back in 1 Kings, that the, that the cloud is there, the glory is there, but instead what is happening is instead of it coming to fill it up, it's filled up and it's about to depart from the temple. The place where man was to meet with God. And it's gone. There's still going to be a building for just a little while longer though. Sadly, churches are meeting every Sunday and yet the glory of God is missing. You can do church all you want, but without the presence of God, it's not church. It's religion, it's idolatry, it's immorality. You can live your Christian life all you want without the presence of God, but you are not living a Christian life. 
You're living a, a halfway moral life with yourself as God. What we need once more is the glory of God to be displayed to the believers and for us to not be so rebellious, so stiff-hearted and stiff-necked. And it seems sadly that the longer we've been saved, the more we become such. We should never be so accustomed when we become desensitized to the Holy Spirit of God with inside of you, believer. You should never be so cold-hearted that souls that are dying and going to hell don't matter to you as much anymore. That you can't shed a tear or send a prayer, let alone carry the Gospel with your voice. We should never be such a place where the presence of God becomes so normal, so ordinary to know that, yes, God dwells within me, that it doesn't change everything about our life. His presence and His glory continues upward and outward from the temple. Chapter 10, verse 18 and 19. Then the glory of the Lord departed from the threshold of the house and stood over the cherubims. And the cherubims lifted up their wings and mounted up from the earth in my sight. And they went out. The wheels also were beside them. And everyone stood at the door of the east gate of the Lord's house. And the glory of God of Israel was over them above. Chapter 11, verse 23. And the glory of the Lord went up from the midst of the city. It's out of the temple. It's out of the city. Further, further, going, going, gone. It says, and it stood upon the mountain which is on the east side of the city. God slowly removes His glory and presence from the place that was to be His house for His people forever. His glory or His presence is removed from the inside out. The inward temple to the outward court. And now where do we find it? For just this moment. It says, It left even the city and stood upon the mountain which is on the east side of the city. What city? The city of Jerusalem. The capital city of God. What do we find here? Now pay attention to this. What mountain is on the east side of the city? This is neat. Look at this. This is the very same place where the Lord ascended and where one day He will descend. The Mount of Olives. This is the place where God's presence was very much there at one point in time. This is the place where the Lord ascended. And they said, Why stand ye looking, ye men of Galilee? The same Jesus in like manner is going to come back. I thank God that God's presence is not done on this earth. Turn with me over in Ezekiel 43. Though this has happened, though this is perhaps one of the saddest moments in the nation of Israel's history, perhaps one of the saddest portions of Scripture, here's what we find in Ezekiel 43, verses 1-5. through This is now Ezekiel being shown things forward, things to come, things in the future. They haven't happened yet, but they're gonna. Look at this. <coughs> Afterward, he brought me to the gate, even the gate that looketh toward the east. And behold... The glory of the God of Israel came from the way of the east, and His voice was like a noise of many waters. Now, what do we notice on the day of Pentecost as well when God's presence comes to the believers? The Holy Spirit comes down. It was like a sound of rushing wind, rushing waters. And the earth shined with His glory. And it was according to the appearance of the vision which I saw, even according to the vision that I saw when I came to destroy the city. And the visions were like the vision that I saw by the river Chabar. And I fell upon my face. And the glory of the Lord came into the house 
by the way, the gate whose prospect is toward the east. So the Spirit took me up and brought me into the inner court, and behold, the glory of the Lord filled the house. Praise God that He's not done with His people. Nevertheless, we see here, sadly, there was a time in the nation of Israel's history in 1 Samuel, they had gone astray as well. And the presence of God was there in the tabernacle. And the ark had been stolen, snatched, taken away in battle. And a lady who had had a child named him Ichabod. Meaning the glory has departed. Sadly, there are a lot of churches who have allowed the name Ichabod to be replacing the name of their church on the sign out front. They have allowed Ichabod to be written upon their pulpits. Ichabod to be written upon their pews. Ichabod to be written upon their mission boards. Ichabod to be written upon their church vans and their ministries and their church pews and their nice Sunday dresses. Because they've allowed Ichabod to be written upon their own hearts because they have allowed the presence, the glory of God to to depart in the sense that they no longer experience the power that is available to them. There should not be a church that doesn't have powerful preaching and powerful singing and power of God and the presence of God from the pulpit to the pews. It should even be flowing outside of the door. When you come in, you know, I'm going to meet with God today and He's going to meet with us. But we don't see it like that anymore. Why? Has God changed? Oh no, my dear friend, we have. We've become self-righteous and self-dependent. We have become so burdened to be comfortable that we have not yet become burdened to be in the presence of God anymore. And we wonder why. Our nation is the way it is. We wonder why we've got churches closing down every Sunday. And more will come, by the way. We wonder why. We barely skate through life. We barely have any power in our Christian walk. We have no victory over sin. We have no souls, it seems, being saved. We see little work being done. And it's because we have forgotten the power of the presence of God. Even more so, we've forgotten the need of it. We think that we can do church without God. And that's not church. You can do a whole lot of ministry, but if God's not in it, nothing will be accomplished. I've seen many pastors who have done things and have ministered in churches who have done many great things that we would see outward things, but yet without the presence of God, ministries and pastors and people have crumbled because they're not living out of an abundance and an awareness of the presence of God within them or their great need for God's presence. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 6 now. We have seen the glory displayed. We have seen the glory departed. Praise God today, dear believer, and here's the message. That was introduction. This is the message. And it won't be as long as the introduction. But this is the meat. This is what you need today. You need to see the glory of God dispensed. Do not think, dear believer, that the glory of God cannot overtake your life. Do not think that the presence of God cannot control your life. 
that you cannot be surrendered to such of presence that it would change the way you are from the inside out. I would tell you today, that is the very way in which God works today. If you're powerless today, dear believer, it's not because God is not giving you power. It's because you're not living with the power that is already there, found in the presence of God. You are the temple of the Holy Ghost of God. Quit asking and searching for things that God's already given you. Start living in light of it. We're not looking to find victory. We have victory. I'm not looking for joy and peace. I have those things when I'm in the Spirit of God. If you'd quit that mess of living the Christian life on your own, like you got to owe God something. We're not doing things for God out of owing Him, but rather out of obedience and out of love and out of joy of the Spirit of God. Now, who has taken our spirit whereby we know that we are the children of God, we are the sons of God, that we can cry, Abba, Father, that now our life should be overflowed like the temple, like the tabernacle, like Mount Sinai itself, that the presence of God is there. Look here. Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, because the presence of God is a gift of God. Not of works as any man should boast. Why? Because I can't save myself, sanctify myself, or glorify myself. It is all a work of God as the glory of God, the presence of God. The purpose of His presence is what? To reveal His glory. To reveal who He is. So that in turn, we might give Him the glory He deserves. You see, the purpose of understanding that ye are the temple is this. The purpose of the present and dwelling presence of the Holy Spirit is to reveal to us the glory of God. That's who He is. All that God is. That you might know the fullness of God. The fullness of His power. The fullness of His person. The Holy Spirit revealed to us the glory of God so that in our body, our outward court of our temple, our soul, the way we think, feel, and decide, and our spirit, the innermost, the Holy of Holies, how we relate to God, would be totally and completely surrendered and yielded to God that He might receive the glory that is due Him. It is that the Holy Spirit, the purpose of His presence, is that the Holy Spirit reveals to us the intrinsic glory of God so that the Holy Spirit, now in us and then out of us, God would receive the glory and the honor that He deserves. All of us in here today would say, whether you meet it or not, or whether you go along with the crowd, that you want to glorify God. I do too. But sadly, we get it all wrong. We think that we glorify God from the outside in. It's from the inside out. And it's not by something that we can drum up, something that we can offer, but rather it's just offering ourselves, yielding ourselves to God and His work. Do not think that God cannot use you or does not desire to use you. If He is indwelling you, dear believer, you are usable. It is whether or not you're available and whether you're aware of the presence of God that is inside of you that could then bring us to this place in our homes and in this church where the glory of God or the presence of God is manifested and seen. And it's not looking for this supernatural, I don't need a, a fog machine in here to create a cloud of glory. We don't need glitter and dust. What we need is hearts that know, minds that know, bodies that know, and yield to the presence of God within us. The presence and glory of God are found 
in the Holy Spirit of God within and revealed, revealed in our life as we yield to Him in all things. Some of you older saints probably know what I'm talking about. You ever known somebody where we would, we would say it in our country way of saying it, they got God all over them? Anybody ever known somebody that's got God all over them? Why is that? Is it because they're a better Christian than you? Is it because they had a better pastor or a better teacher or a better Bible than you? No, my dear friend. We know people and have known very few people who had God all over them, and it's because God was all in them, and they were all in God. They had what you and I have, which is all of God, given to us in the power of the Holy Spirit in His presence that now indwells us. But the issue and the difference between someone who's got God all over them and me and you is that we have all of God, but He, for some reason, doesn't have all of us. We give Him parts of our outward court of our life because we'll drive ourselves to church. Praise God, I'm glad that you're here. And so is the Lord. We'll give parts of our outward in the things that we give or do, and maybe we'll try not to cuss with our mouth or go places that we ought not go. But we won't give Him our mind because we want to think and say and do the things that we want to do and feel the way we want to feel. And we can justify any way that we feel, by the way. And we certainly don't want to give Him our spirit, our innermost part, because it would be a total surrender of all that we are to all that He is. But I tell you, dear friend, there is no greater thing that you can do as a believer and there truly is no way to live the Christian life without yielding all that you are to all that He is. God has given us all of Himself and therefore we must yield all of ourself. From the inside out, Titus chapter 3, verse 5, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy He saved us. Praise God, but the verse continues by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. Know ye not that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost? Therefore, do you need your mind renewed? Look no further. Do you need uh, grace? Do you need hope? Joy once more. Look no further. He can renew you from the inside out. The same Spirit who gives a freshness. How about this? 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 4. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. Here's what the great and precious promises are. That by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. You don't have to continue to lose your battles to sin. You don't have to continue to give the devil an inch and him taking a mile. It is about time, dear believer, that we would understand that the presence of God is within us. Not because we have some sort of mystical thing that we've drummed up, but rather because when you asked Christ to save you, it was by His mercy and His grace, and it's through the renewing and the regenerating power of the Holy Ghost of God who regenerates us, who seals us into the day of redemption, who now is in the business of renewing you from your mind, your heart, and your body day by day by day. It is not that you've got to try to be so much like Jesus in imitating Him because I can never be Jesus in my flesh. But you know something? It is then living out of an identification of who He is and what He's already accomplished for me. That now the Spirit of God lives inside of you. You want victory? You want 
hope for your marriage, hope for your kids. There it is. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. You will never see the purpose of His presence while walking in your flesh. You only find the purpose, the glory of God, as you walk in the Spirit of God. Therefore, three things and we're done. One, we should long for God's presence and glory in our life. I believe, dear friend, the reason why we've known just a few people in our life who had God all over them, and the reason why our services, our revival meetings, our tent meetings, our Sunday night prayer meetings, our Friday night prayer meetings, our anytime we met, used to have God all over it, It's not because God has changed. It is because believers used to long for the presence and glory of God to be displayed. Most of us long for the preacher to get finished. We long for things to go our way. We long to be in charge of some ministry that we're not going to give to God anyways and we're going to take the credit for. We long for much but we long for the wrong things. We've got to get back to a simple, faithful, hungering and thirsting for righteousness, a longing for God's presence and glory. Second, we should love the gift of God's presence and glory in our life. My dear friends, if you just said, well, the Holy Spirit, well, you know, you know, I'm sealed and all that stuff, but I leave that Holy Spirit stuff to, to other people. No, no, no. I live that Spirit-filled life. I leave that stuff to the preachers and to the, the elite Christians. Ain't no such thing. You have the same Holy Spirit inside of you that I've got, that Peter had, that Paul had, that John had. The difference is, even between them now and a hundred years ago, the difference is we don't so much love the things that God has given us. We love the outward things that God's given us. And we're unthankful for those things, aren't we? How, much, how many of us thank God that we got gas in our car this week? As we pumped and pumped and pumped and it went up and up and up. Thank God I could do it. <coughs> how many of us found things wrong with our house this week and thank God anyways? How many of us had a burnt piece of toast for breakfast and you thank God for it anyways? Boy, we're unthankful for the things that God already gives us. Who are we to think that we're thankful that God has just given us Himself? You see, that's the real way that we've got to live. I don't want to be just thankful for the things that God has given me outwardly. Those things could cease and God would still be good. God could kill me right now and God would be wonderful. Freak y'all out. God could do not one more outward thing for us and God would be the most good, gracious, and loving Father you could ever ask for. But He's done much more than the outward, dear friend. He has given you Himself. God has given you Himself. God has given you all of Him inside the Holy Spirit of God, inside of you, and allowed you to be the temple. What will you do with that? See, what would you do with that burnt piece of toast, with that house that you find something... Uh, to, to be wrong with it. And what would you do with that, that uh, tank of gas if you understood that God gave it to you in the first place? 
might just change some things. But what would you do now inwardly with your life, with your thoughts, your attitude, your emotions, if you understood that it was to be lived by and through the presence of God that He has given you all of Himself? Would you continue to withhold some of who you are? Third, we should live by, through, and for the presence and glory of God. I don't want to preach a message without His presence. I don't want to take a step forward in this church without His presence. We shouldn't want to pray a prayer without His presence. We shouldn't want to give a dime without His presence. We shouldn't want to do anything without His glory and for His glory. As a matter of fact, over in Exodus, Moses has come down from the mount. The people were dancing naked, committing idolatry, breaking God's law that He had just given to them. Moses goes to meet with God and he talks to him. He says, Lord, first of all, before we go any further, I've got to know you're going to be with me. I need your presence, God. God says, Moses, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be with you. Well, that's enough right there, isn't it? To know that God's with you, dear believer, that's enough, isn't it? Two of you got it. The rest of you will get it next week, all right? But Moses doesn't stop there. Moses does something that you and I would probably be far too afraid to do. And he says, God, I know that you're going to be with me. Show me now your glory. Show me your glory. Moses didn't want to just know that God would be with him in some sort of omnipresent way on the way to the promised land. He wanted all that God is. Not just all that God gives. All of Him. He wanted to know the fullness of God. You know what God did? He didn't say, now Moses, you know you can't see me face to face, so you're just going to have to ask me for something else. No, instead what He did is He put him in the cliff of the rock. The Lord Jesus Christ. And He passed by and showed just an afterglow of His backside of His glory. Moses didn't even get to see all of it. And just a little bit that He saw rocked his world. It changed him so much so that when he came down from that, he had to wear a veil. Why? Because the people themselves could not even look upon him. Furthermore, that veil represented the fact that those people could not get into the presence of God. I want you to know today, Jesus Christ the righteous, the Son of God, God in the flesh, has bled and died and risen again and has torn that veil open, making a way when there was no way to be in the presence of God. And now God and His glory and His presence has not just been displayed to us the moment of our salvation. Sadly, for some of us, it's been departed. But I want you to know, it has been dispensed through the power of the Holy Ghost of God inside of you. Know ye not that ye are the temple of the Holy Ghost, dear friend. Let me ask you today, and we'll bring this to a close. I preached longer than I said I would. Are you longing? Are you loving? Are you living in and through and for the presence and glory of God in your life? Are you aware of His presence in your life? If not, I pray that you would be awakened to it. Every great man of God that did great things for God not only had that moment of salvation, but they had an awakening within them where the Spirit showed them the fullness and the power of God that was there and available. Oh, that God might awaken us to such. 
See, the Christian life is to live all of your life in the presence of God to the glory of God. Let me ask you today, how are you living? Are you living in His presence? By His presence, through His presence, for His presence? By, through, to, and for His glory? If not, you could. But will you? Let me ask you, do you have all of Him? Dear believer, I already know the answer. You have all of Him. Let me ask you something a little bit deeper. Does God have all of you? All of you. You already know. May God reveal His presence, His glory today so that He may receive the glory due Him. Let's all stand this morning. This piano is about to play, even before it plays. If you have a need this